the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's get with it. It's a Tuesday, and uh, if you're not aware, and I don't know how you could not be aware, the reason when you drive by all of the new car dealerships and you're not seeing the lots filled with automobiles is because of the chip shortage that we're undergoing here in the United States. I have heard that uh, in Kentucky, the Kentucky Speedway has like close to 80,000 trucks, pickup trucks, sitting in the infield and across the parking wow. lot uh, because uh, the uh, the main computer of those uh, uh, pickup trucks don't have the chips for the ECMs. We've outsourced it. Well, it's just because you got you had one chip maker and they got, I guess they caught on fire and they burned <laughs> down and uh, and you're right, we didn't have uh, any kind of uh, backup here in the United States, and now we're we're paying the piper, as the old, thing, old saying goes. So I, I've been trying to get somebody on to talk about this because it's been going on for a while now, and it's like, well, when is this ever going to end? Right. So John Newfer is going to join us. He is the president and CEO of the semiconductor industry, and you who are listening right now will be able to... Uh, bring your neighbors and your friends up to speed john how are you welcome uh, to little rock and the dave ellswick show hi dave how you doing I, uh, don't don't shoot don't shoot the messenger on this one now <laughs> oh i know you don't have big, you don't have good news i've been reading all about this and I, i'm still wondering uh why it though it's been so difficult uh, to get yeah. get chips in here and get the supply chains going, I guess I need to I need to get on the the horn and call up there and talk to Buttigieg and find <laughs> out what he's up to. What's well, he's probably with his paternity his, leave. His, yeah, he's still on paternity leave or something. He's not, but yeah. know, bottom line. Anyway, John, let's let's just start off with the, the question everybody's wondering. When is it going to become normal again? I keep hearing another 12 to 14 months. What are you hearing? You're hearing better things than I am, I hope. Yeah, well, no, normal is kind of uh, a floating term. And I'll just say that uh, in <laughs> some areas it. we're going to get improvement. We're going to get the chips we need. In some areas it's going to it's going to take longer. Unfortunately, the pandemic really kind of turned everything upside down for all of us. And... Um, there was a huge explosion in demand for chips. Everyone started learning remotely and working remotely and getting healthcare remotely, and it required a lot of chips to power the product to make that to make that possible. So we've all kind of struggled 
uh, with with the shortage. I can tell you though, um, our our fabs or fabrication facilities that, that make these incredible uh, uh, pieces of technology that now have up to 114 billion transistors on one chip. I can tell you that we've been running full speed, full tilt for the last for the last couple of years, running the fabs at full utilization and above, and uh, now are uh, moving to build as many new fabs here and around the world as, as possible. Where we where we where we have a bit of a problem is that um, for the last uh, thirty years or so, uh, our ability to make chips here in the U.S. has diminished significantly. Other countries put in place major manufacturing incentives in the forms of grants and and tax tax uh, credits, uh, but our federal government hasn't been doing that. So it's 25, get this number, 25 to 50 percent more expensive to build and operate a chip manufacturing facility here in the U.S. than it is uh, overseas. So I'll talk to you a little bit about what the uh, solution is, but that's 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 the problem. All right. So yeah, the the bottom line is is we farmed all this stuff out. We thought the Chinese were our friends, not so much, and so now you get a you get a kink in the system, or maybe it's not even a kink. Maybe it's planned, and suddenly you know we're SOL and. Uh, we're trying to make some moves. I guess they're building a big plant out there in Arizona is what I'm hearing. And there's another one planned here in the United States. And I'm with you. What our our Congress needs to do is to give them every break in the book, make it uh, financially feasible for them to make good money and build them right here in the good old USA. You know, actually, you you you, you highlight China, which is no doubt a, a challenge. But, you know, some of the biggest chip producers, manufacturers around the world are are Korea, Japan, uh, Taiwan. There's a lot going on even in, in Ireland and, and Israel. And, and as I mentioned, the governments in those countries made a strategic decision decades ago to lure, to attract um, semiconductor manufacturing, and, and, and our government hasn't done that. So right now, there's legislation being considered in the Senate possibly today on the floor of the Senate, maybe tomorrow, that would put in place manufacturing incentives and level level the playing field so that we could finally start competing uh, um, with uh, with uh, the, the uh, our overseas competitors on a level playing field. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear this. Some people finally uh, woke up, smelled the coffee, and decided to do some smart things. That's, that's good. Uh, if this passes, what you, I mean, it's not like it's going to change overnight it's going to take years to, to build those factories and get them up and running but maybe we'll never have to find ourselves in this position again well dave that's exactly right it sounds like you've actually been in the industry you know these fabs don't go up overnight it takes uh two or three years to, to put them up and and get them operational and that's exactly right for the, for the near term we're going to have to work with what we have and, and be as efficient and effective as we can with, with the fabs that are already already up and running. But this will uh, help inoculate it from future shocks. You know, in the in the next 10 years, it's projected that, that um, there's going to be something like a 60% increase in the demand for semiconductor manufacturing. 
so so I mean we just look around us um, in our cars in our in our in our blenders of course in our computers <laughs> and our cell phones we have all this cool uh, semiconductor technology that makes our lives better uh, and so we just know the demand is, is increasing intuitively and and analytically we know as well so we need we need more fabs um, in place uh, and if we don't get this chip funding in place and it's not certain actually this this, this these manufacturing incentives and tax credits called fabs uh, uh, the fabs act then um, then we're going to just simply have more of these manufacturing facilities, these fabs, overseas. It's, it's, we're, we're in a build cycle for our industry. We're under a lot of pressure to respond to the exploding demand. And, you know, I, I have neighbors walking across my yard saying, when am I going to get the, <laughs> my car? To my car. <laughs> and, I mean, it's been That's rough. 20 years, work, work with, you know, having these neighbors, and they, they, they frankly, never gave a darn. What, what my work was, but now they're still interested in what I'm doing. But yeah. So, so, so there's a build cycle going on right now. It's 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 not going to last that long. And if this 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 chips act and this fabs act for a tax credit and manufacturing grant is not funded, we're going to miss the window. It's going to slam shut. And these facilities are going to be built overseas. Well, I got my fingers crossed that they do something right in Congress for a change. Right. John Newfer is our guest, president and CEO of the semiconductor industry. John, I know you got other interviews coming up almost immediately. I'm going to let you go, and uh, we'll just sit here and discuss it for a little bit on the the air without you. But. Uh, Keep up the good work, and uh, here in a couple of years, get us back to normal, please. Yes. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll, ta- we'll talk to you later. Yeah. Bye-bye now. All right. John Newfer here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. I thought you'd like to hear from somebody that should know right. where we're at, and he's saying that, you know, you got about, you're going to have to build these new factories, and this was a wake-up call for us about the supply chain. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's what they did. And uh, they thought that they were, uh, you know, in good shape. Sounds like they were caving to foreign lobbyists. You think? You think? <laughs> yeah, you think that that yeah. might be the case. How about how about Nancy Pelosi's husband? Did everybody hear oh, about yeah. that one about the about His the stocks. chips? Because yeah, they're, they're talking about this bill right now, right? And that's what he's talking about. And he bought all those uh, semiconductor oh. stocks. Just a day before I usually follow voted. what now he does. Get, yeah, now they're going to do the you know the voting over in the Senate. I I, I foresee that they will they will pass it. Uh, <laughs> if they don't, uh, they they're going to get us set up for another five seven years of this crazy stuff. Think about the car manufacturers. We were talking about this last uh, weekend and last Thursday. You've got these these twenty twenty one still. That haven't even sold. They're out on the lots. They're waiting for the uh, the chips. If you buy a brand new car, in many instances, when you buy a brand new car right now, they'll say, "Yeah, we'll get you the brand new car, but your electric seats won't work, your power oh, windows won't work because we don't have the chips to power the ECM." So what do they do? Uh, you get you get cars that don't work like they should be working do they bring you back in when they get the yeah, chips later or? they can retrofit so to speak here i'll tell you one for i don't know if you even remember this do you remember when you had a crank on your door and that oh yeah yeah when okay, i was a kid they're putting those back in cars now 
Well, it wouldn't hurt, would it? So you can, just have a backup. So you can roll down. down I'm all your about window. backups. Anyway, six seventeen on a, a Tuesday morning. Good to have you along with us. Wish I had better news to start the show off, but I don't. When we come back, we'll talk about the mayor in Washington D.C. <laughs> and she's upset. How are all of these illegals? Getting to Washington, D.C. I want a law so that you can't send them here to D.C. Keep them down there in Texas and New Mexico. Don't you dare bring them up here to D.C. We'll talk about it when we get back here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. By the way, if you need protection, security for your home, for your business, uh, look no further than ICU. That's the letters, ICU uh, protection. Uh, Billy Mack will help you out. He can probably tell you what you need for your house just over the telephone he'll say how many windows you got how many doors you got how many cameras do you want do you just want one in your door you know the doorbell do you want one on your uh, uh you know driveway do you want one looking out on your backyard what do you want as far as the cameras go and they can take care of that as well so uh you know when something moves out outside and it shouldn't be there but it is uh, your smartphone will have a crystal clear picture of it, of what's going on outside your door. And as soon as it starts, it starts recording it, and then it stores it in the cloud. Turn your attention to ICU protection. Let them help you. The price is right. You pay for the service. You don't pay for any of the hardware. 501-205-1333. 501-205-1333. Talk to Billy Mack and his staff at ICU Protection. You know, this Greenwood, Indiana shooting that we had over the weekend, this this young guy, 22-year-old guy, uh, was, uh, you know, had kiss heel carrying. Yeah. And in the mall, and I know Greenwood Mall. I worked in Indianapolis for like nine years. And so... I've been to that mall, and this guy's in there with a, a rifle, and he's shooting people. And uh, this 22-year-old kid sees him, draws down on him, and killed him. Luckily, he killed him because he'd ar- this guy had already killed three people right. and wounded several. And so uh, it was good that you had a good guy with a gun who knew what to do with it. And uh, the anti-gunners are out there saying... Well, you shouldn't even been there with a gun. Right. Well, here's what I say. Thank God he was. Right. If, if he hadn't have been there, how many people would have died? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. We broke up your narrative so you can't talk about that the guy killed 25 people instead of just yeah, three. Yeah, it wasn't a complete sweep. Yeah. I mean, they look, you can kill a lot of people in a short period of time. Yeah. If yeah, you have a long, a long gun, easily. Uh, the... Uh, when we've had Ed Monk on from Last Resort Firearms, he's my go-to guy, but he's out hes out uh, up in Wyoming right now doing uh, some active shooter training up there. Um, he'll tell you in the first three minutes when an active shooter begins, he can kill a person every 10 seconds, he or she, whoever it is that's got the gun. Did you see the lady here in Little Rock? She was denied a, a pistol. She no. couldn't buy a pistol at the store, so she started stabbing people with a knife. See, well, I was just going to say that if you want to murder people, you're going to find a way to murder people. Yeah. Well, the the mayor of, now the mayor over there in London 
would have made it illegal to have a knife that had the blade longer than three inches. Wasn't he talking about that at some point? He did. They made it illegal to I, have a I, knife I longer say. than three inches. That's what I thought. One of the craziest pieces of video I have ever seen, because the Bobbies don't carry right, guns. guns over there, and they had them trying to get this guy, and every time he would turn around with his knife, you'd see him run away from him. It was a <laughs> <laughs> Hit him with a boomstick. Of course, that's better than having 300 uh, law enforcement uh, personnel at a uh, uh, at an elementary school, and they can't stop a shooter. No. I want everybody to think about that. <laughs> Over 300 armed law enforcement personnel. Just and not they, willing. And they wouldn't take on this guy. You know, if you want to be a, a cop, that's kind of goes. That's kind of part of the deal that goes with. It's like if you're a fireman, you're going to run into the building that's burning, right? To you put out the fire. The odds of that many people there—just one or two or even five—would have taken that. You know, I want to be a cop. This is what I want to do. To that level of disobeying the command because that was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and one he's guy not had even a resigned. shot. Evidently, had a shot at the shooter, at this this kid. That was shooting everybody, and he asked to be able to take the shot. And evidently, the the former police chief, who now has resigned, uh, he didn't been hear him or whatever, and didn't tell me I'll go ahead and take the shot. Here's my key: if if you're if you're out there and you see the bad guy, kill him. Kill him. Yeah. You're done with Put him. Put him down. Yeah. It's a rabbit dog. Well, then they could have got in there and saved some of those children, maybe. Uh, yeah, she hadn't even shot anybody yet. Wow. She hadn't shot anybody. I'm just thinking. That's, that guy shouldn't be allowed to be resigned. He should have been fired and probably civilly sued. Well, uh, the civil suits, I can see him coming. Uh, yeah. You know, he's going to get sued. But how much money does one man have right yeah or the department and and, i mean it doesn't change if you sue somebody for a million dollars and they have ten thousand dollars right you're gonna get ten thousand dollars you're not gonna get millions of dollars and it's not even the money simpson all right how much money does he still owe people (laughs) to the goldmans and others enough for him to steal back some of his stuff yeah it's just (laughs) crazy yeah maybe he, that's what he needs to do go find some more memorabilia to steal and, the steal yeah but and he doesn't live bad anymore no I'm just saying he lives okay but he's broke though according to yeah he's broke but they protect his assets yeah and and the big part of that word is the first three letters they protect his assets yeah that's what they do uh, just so everybody knows, I feel sorry for the Goldmans. They're never going. They're never. You know, they say you 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 should have closure on something like that. You never get closure on a kid dying. I'm just. No. I'm sorry to tell people that, but uh, especially I've, in a I've case like two, that, I've lost two children, uh, and then I lost my brothers as well. And I want to tell you, there there isn't anything that closes that except, you know, your faith. That's it. That, that's it. That's what you got to work with. That is it. Because if you're expecting them to call you some night, it ain't going to happen. Right. How do you close that? That just doesn't just doesn't happen. And and you know when my uh, my my daughter and my my son died, uh, look, uh, there's nothing I could do about it. 
All I could do is sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. Wow. So that's not enough. Uh, now, luckily, you know, they weren't shot or anything like right. that or died in a car crash. They got sick and, and uh, illness took them. But it's just uh, it's a terrible thing and ordeal to go through. I mean, look, Biden runs. Biden uses that as a oh methodology. My, uh, yeah, to, my son, to though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get so tired of hearing about it. He acts Me like too. his son was the only military member that who died. ever passed. Right. You know? You go, you honor, I mean, you give due honor to a person, but using it, he's using that. He's not even, uh, he's the consoler-in-chief, supposedly, yeah. because I, I will one tell son you what, died. I will tell you what, Simone. I have never, nor will I ever, uh, tell somebody who has lost a child... I know what you're going through. Right. right. How could you? I've lost kids, all right, but I don't know what's going on in their with that mind other person. And I know there's a lot of pain involved. Yeah. But that's all I can say about it. You know that that's that's it. All right, we've got to get ready for a break. We've got to get uh, some local news from you. When we come back, I promised you to talk about the mayor of D.C. <laughs> I will tell you about that when we uh, continue here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. And then I'd like to spend some time uh, in the next half hour talking about what are we going to do about all the crime in Little Rock. All right, before we get right back to the show, let's talk about uh, David Lucas Financial and what they want to do for you in teaching you uh, what to do about buying uh, silver and gold. Because, you know, buying silver and gold, it's not like just picking up a phone and and calling somebody and buying stocks and bonds or just doing it on the internet on your own you you need to know exactly what you're doing i mean you know what's the purity of it are you getting just a a piece of paper right you know a certificate are you actually getting the silver or getting the gold you know is it a coin form is it an ingot form i I mean there's all kinds of questions to be asked and which is the best way to do it well to find out talk to the folks at david lucas financial they'll teach you how to buy silver and gold call 501-222-3315 that's 501-222-3315 silver and gold uh, precious metals give you an opportunity to hedge against inflation that's going on right now so that the money that you have in your nest egg for your retirement doesn't just keep losing worth. It actually holds against losing worth. Uh, they'll tell you you need about 15% of those precious metals to make up uh, your nest egg. So, you know, spend a little money, buy yourself some silver and gold, and uh, but you know, get with somebody who knows what they're doing. David Lucas Financial is that team. Uh, I've known David Lucas now for 12 years. The man can help you out. 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment uh, Advisor. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Washington, D.C. You may be uh, familiar with the story that I've been doing for some time now about uh, Abbott, Governor Abbott down in Texas. And he says, look, if, the, if, the, if President Biden is not going to get the border under control 
and we're going to have all of these people coming into uh, Texas. Uh, I'm going to gather them up, put them on buses, and send them to Washington D.C. I'll put them, yeah, I'll put them right in your backyard, and and you deal with it. And uh, that's what he's been doing. I I think I heard that there's been uh, over a hundred buses now that's made its way up to D.C. And uh, taking a quick look here. Uh, at well, this they were story. laughing at it at first, as if you know it was. Oh yeah, they you know, thought ha, that. Ha, ha. Yeah, they thought it was a joke. Well, they're not. They're not laughing so much anymore. No. Uh, the mayor there in D.C. is uh, starting to say, "I'm you know Muriel Bowser is her name." Uh, she appeared on CBS's Face the Nation over the weekend, talked about the homelessness crisis that's facing the district, and. Uh, by the way, Washington, D.C. is a sanctuary city. Yeah. So you should be willing to take in as many of these e- illegals that come Eagerly. in. When asked about how illegal immigrants are contributing to the problem, given that they're being bussed in from uh, the border states, most significantly Texas, uh, Bowser admitted it's become a, quote, significant issue. Draining their resources, imagine that. Yeah, in late May, Abbott said uh, he had sent 45 buses of illegal immigrants to the nation's capital so far and has vowed to keep it up. Uh, the D.C. mayor said illegal immigrants are being tricked. Yeah. They're tricking people on getting onto the buses to Washington and that the federal government needs to take action to prevent it. No, what what the federal government needs to do, what the Biden administration needs to do, what Mayorkas needs to do, is to get serious down on the on the border and cut off this endless stream coming in. Since since Biden has been president, six million. I thought it was illegal, four. Illegals have come across, and uh, over eight hundred thousand. Are uh, you know they tried to catch them but gutaways is that what it is it yeah gotaways? they call it the gutaways don't, don't you just love that terminology yeah. but anyway it, it is out of control on the border it was out of control you remember uh, I went down and did my show uh, years ago in Arizona on the King Anvil Ranch when the Minutemen were down there and I broadcast okay. it live uh, from Arizona and. Uh, and I remember being down there when they were under siege. And uh, you know, a lot of people think when you say desert, they think Mojave Desert. Okay? Right. They think big sand dunes. and stuff. That's not what the desert out west is. It's, it's hard packed, and you can walk across it, but it's hotter than blazes out there. Yeah. And a lot of people don't make it because they die of, of uh, no water and sun exposure and all kinds of things that happen down there. But the bottom line, across the King Anvil Ranch at the... Uh, the crux to their problem, they had every year over 50,000 people a month traversing their ranch. Now, look, their ranch is in a quarter acre, okay? It was five or 600 acres or more right. uh, that they had down there right on the border with Mexico. And here's what the – even at that time, here's what ICE was doing – They'd go down. Uh, the helicopters would be flying around. You, you heard them all day long uh, while you were while we were on the air, and uh, 
they would find these coyotes bringing up the people across. They would come down and, and land and take and make them all give them their backpacks. They would take their backpacks from them, make them sit there, and then they would march them to the nearest road, and they had big bus, buses. They'd put them on the buses and take them back to Mexico. They'd, let them, they, they'd leave them off in Mexico, and uh, then the buses would come back to the United States, and so did the illegals then. Right. They, they just started, turn around and start walking back. You right. know, this is this is what it was was going on at that time. It was crazy. Then, uh, you know, the Bush administration said we're going to send the National Guard down there, but you may not engage. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, so why send them down right. there? It's kind of like force. being a cop today in some of our major cities, Portland. You know, you know, it's amazing how much of this crap goes on in Wisconsin. Yeah. I'm really kind of amazed about that because I grew up in that part of the country. I grew up in northwest Indiana. Uh, Wisconsin wasn't that far away. And it's just hard for me to understand how you go up into a state like Wisconsin. And, you know, you go so far left that your brains run out your ear. Yeah. Yeah, it, do, it doesn't make sense geopolitically. You just don't have you just don't have the good sense God gave you. Look, I went and worked in, at WCCO in Minneapolis for about seven months, and then uh, some people bought the radio station. Big turnover. I'm out of a job. You know the song and yeah. dance on that one. So anyway. Uh, I went up to Minnesota, and I'd always heard, you know, I, I read Little House on the Prairie. And, oh, I did you know, too, growing and up. And how tough those people were yeah. to make it, and self-reliant, and everything. there are a bunch of commies up there. I mean, seriously. you got to get up there to, to, to understand uh, what's going on. I mean, it's, it's not by some chance that Hubert Humphrey and all those nut jobs came from the same state. That's really crazy that you go from Little House on the Prairie to something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just if you think, because I grew up on that, you know, Little House on the Prairie and cutting logs down to build your own house. That's and, right. You know, down to the log, down to the outhouse, down to everything, the stove and, you know, saving money up to be able to buy Sod a stove. houses and all of right. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just... What I thought I was getting into, I wasn't. I went on the air down there, and I was getting ready to start uh, getting on the air and talking. My first guests were the folks with uh, with Mystery Science Theater. I had Crow <laughs> on and stuff, and we had a great time. And then it just all went south. Let's oh. just put it that way. It all went south. It was like I was uh, I was talking about financial. Uh, responsibility within the government and how to spend money and all of that and why we didn't want to keep running up the debt and you would have thought I was Satan incarnate. Eyeballs bulging. Oh my lord, the people went crazy. Absolutely <laughs> crazy. They hated my guts. But anyway, it, it made for good talk. Yeah, yeah. Not to say it made for good talk, but it was crazy. Alright, we got to get our final break in for this hour. Let's do that. When we come back, Let's talk about something a little closer to home. Let's discuss, shall we, uh, this lack of crime we have in, in Little Rock. Shall we? The, the lack. lack of crime. <laughs> I say that with all, with a big smile. See, if you're watching on 
on on uh, not YouTube, but if you're watching on Facebook, I'm smiling because I'm lying. The lack of crime in sarcasm included, big time, dripping from my corners of my mouth. We'll be back to talk about that in just a moment. And Frank Scott, oh, we we three percent. 3%, 3%, that's all. Yeah, 3% down from the 27% uh, rise that you've had in crime. That man has got to be voted out of office. Has got to be voted out of office. Uh, do you know he spent almost, he's on, he's on, in fact, I'll have a guy on uh, tomorrow talking about this, did the, all the FOIs on it. $700,000 for personal protection. Personal mayor. protection. The mayor of Little Rock. $700,000. You'll wow. want to join me tomorrow when I talk about this. You, you don't want to miss it. Your tax money at work. Don't forget about East End Towing. Uh, doesn't matter the situation that you got going. East End Towing can handle it. They've got the answers for you. they got one of the biggest tow, tow uh, fleets in the state. Uh, they are an Arkansas Toll and Recovery Board member. They're licensed, insured, and every one of their trucks is permitted. Call Easton Towing if you need them, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. They can help you get your car off the side of the road. Maybe it's not your car. Maybe the trailer for your boat. You know, a couple wheels blew out and you need somebody to... Get that off the side of the road as well. They'll help you with that. Or maybe it's a camper. Call 501-888-8849 East End Towing. They know what to do. All right, so, you know, it's my belief that you need to make a change in Little Rock. Look, really, I don't have a dog in this fight, so to speak. I don't live in Little Rock. Used to, don't any longer. Uh, I moved up to Cabot and found a nice house that had low property taxes. I've got a corner uh, lot, acre uh, lot, uh, about 2,100-square-foot home, and I pay under $800 a year property taxes. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, I just can't see paying as much as as you do in Little Rock. And what do you get for it? What kind of, you know, they don't give the police the necessary uh, powers that they need to be able to stop uh, crime. Uh, The last report I saw, your chances of of being involved in a a violent crime here in this city is 1 in 55. Little Rock is the 10th. The tenth. We're in the top ten. Ooh, we're in the top ten. <laughs> we're in the ooh, 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 top ten. Not for education. Most, yeah, most violent cities in the United States. You know, you know who we trail. Memphis is number one, which is rough. Guess Memphis who's yeah. Guess who's number number four? Pine Bluff. All right. So you know, I I don't think Pine Bluff is that far. From no, Little Rock, all none right? of it's that far so, regionally. And and here's the reason a lot of people have started talk, turning against Frank Scott uh, is because as long as the crime stays down in the kind of urbanized areas of Little Rock, yeah. uh, not coming up in the heights, not coming out west, people kind of put up with it. 
But that's not the case anymore. It's migrating out into the suburbs. And it starts migrating out into the suburbs. What happens is suddenly people start taking uh, and paying attention. Paying attention. And when they start paying attention, that means your chances of getting, uh, you know, the kind of uh, thing that you want to make sure doesn't happen to you starts happening to you. Yeah. That's not good. Uh, the mayor and police here are trying to get ahead of the violence by using data to pinpoint areas most vulnerable to crime. That's a good idea. Uh, violent crime in Little Rock is up from uh, um, March or yeah March of this year uh, from last year. In fact, it's up 17 percent, uh, which is grim considering Little Rock saw its uh, second highest year of murders in 2021 thank you mr mayor what what is it you want to spend your money on did you say not on the police oh that's right not on the police let's let's we need to we need another park he's got his own personal personal uh protection i'm going to get into that tomorrow yeah you may not be uh safe in the city but that's not the way Frank Scott is. Now, I understand when the mayor goes anywhere, they take him in a car uh, that he's got protection with, and uh, and they take him to these places. Uh, and uh, we've got the documents when we bring on our guest tomorrow. The documents have been uh, FOIA'd, and he's on, he's on a, a, a travel right now of, Spending seven hundred thousand dollars just for his own protection. He must not think the not city's yours. very safe either. Yeah, not yeah, <laughs> not yours, uh, but for his protection. That's uh, what uh, what he's doing. So I'll prove that to you tomorrow. We'll have the uh, the necessary documentation uh, to give you all of that. And, and and guess what? He's got a challenger right now in Steve Landers. And, uh, you know, I've had Landers on. Good guy. Uh, from what I understand, uh, he just drives around. He drives himself to work and everything. He doesn't have a, a you know. Personal he, protection. And let me tell you, he if he thought he needed it, he's got the money to pay for it. Right. It's not like. Steve Landers doesn't have the money for it. But the bottom line is that uh, he's not out there with a whole lot of protection around him. Uh, I know for a fact uh, that he has been known to be on the southwest side of the city and will drive up to a group of drug dealers (laughs) and engage them in conversation and uh, has been going out and saying, hey, look, good possibility i'm going to be your mayor next year and he, this kind of stuff it's this kind of crap's going to stop you know it probably doesn't make him too popular well i'm sure he's not yeah he should be popular with the people look i know there's a lot of people who will vote skin color in that upcoming election because frank scott's a black man and uh, little rock's about 40 percent maybe a titch over that uh black do not do that. Pick the best candidate, no matter the color of his skin. Live what Dr. King told you to live by, by the character of people, not by the color mm-hmm. of their skin. 
And there's a lot of policies. There's a lot of things to be questioned about Frank Scott. And now that we're starting to engage into this uh, this run uh, for mayor, I'll be bringing up some questions about the man. And just the results that have uh, occurred, (laughs) you know, or non-results. If you like if you like uh, living in a neighborhood where every night after the sun goes down, you hear pop, pop, pop. Pop, I do. Pop, pop, you know, <laughs> you start, you're hearing gunshots all the time, then voting back into office. Mm. If you want to stop that, you need, you know, you need to get somebody else in there. You got yeah. to get somebody in there who's willing to do what's necessary to stop that kind of insanity. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. You know, I'll I'll invite Mayor Scott on. Not expecting him to show up, but I'll, I'll invite Give him, him a on, chance. and I'll invite uh, you know when you're, they're into the heat of the battle, so to speak. I'll I'll see if uh, uh, Steve Landers wants to come on and and talk about his vision uh, for the the city of Little Rock. But I'll tell you, the number one issue that has to be dealt with is crime, and Frank Scott has failed miserably. <laughs> He must know it. (laughs) Let's spell it for you. F-A-I-L-E-D. Failed is what Frank Scott has done. All right. Dave Ellswick Show. Simone, thanks for coming. Yep. Love it. You live here in this crime-ridden city. Yes, I do. All right. I bet you you don't vote for Frank Scott. No. (laughs) All right. No, I want to change. We'll take a break. Bible Guys are next. Stay tuned. Go ahead, Billy. You can sing. <laughs> Song I probably should not. I'm, I'm just saying. Just saying. All right. Billy Miller's here. Good morning, sir. Steve Hess is here. Hello. And uh, Scott's not. And I've got, I brought a ringer in today. I brought, <laughs> I brought Joe in. Joe Manning is here from Bethel Church. Well, appreciate being here. Yeah. said? 13 years today, yes. <clears throat> I, I've never told uh, Joe, this, but since when he started uh, the uh, cafe show that he does, uh, and it, talking about the proofs for Christianity and things of that nature, I didn't. I I always listen to it. It's it's good stuff. It's it's really good, and it's stuff that you need to know. Uh, when I went to seminary, and by the way, Joe went the same you know uh, cemetery I went to. 
uh, Southwest it, Baptist Theological the Seminary. Yeah, yeah. the Seminary. Yeah. Yes, uh, we'll forgive you both. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I I went there. I stayed for two years, uh, and and figured out during that time that God was calling me to talk to people about Him, but not from the pulpit all the mm-hmm. time. So I I didn't uh, I didn't stick around to get uh, a degree. Uh, as far as being a preacher, I went to every class that I wanted to go to. I remember two professors, ex- uh, exceptional professors, Dr. Fish. Dr. Roy Fish, yes. And then Dr. Bush. Dr. Bush. Who I, uh, uh, he was apologetics, and, and, I, and I'm into apologetics. Remember when apologetics were, did, did you, had you read, read Josh McDowell's book? I mean, that's the <laughs> evidence that, that demands a burden. That's, right. that's that, right. That seemed to be everybody's, yeah, I know all about apologetics. Uh, no, you don't have a clue. Uh, there's a whole lot of more things to read than just that. But anyway, Josh McDowell was really the hot commodity at that time when I was there. I was at uh, seminary in 75 to 77. But it was 1875, right? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. My apologies. I get to visit some of those places uh, uh, this uh, coming weekend and next week. I, the Patriot Tour leaves from Little Rock on Saturday, and I'll be on the uh, our, uh, the big bust for that. And we're going up uh, on Sunday. I'll be standing on uh, the land of Gettysburg Battlefield. That's where we'll be at. And uh, traveling through there, I've been there several times. It's always an emotional experience Mm -hmm. whenever you walk Gettysburg. Because when you think of all the men who fought there, that so much blood was shed in that battle. They said it was actually traveling down the the land Mm. uh, in little rivers, three to four inches deep. Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine that kind of wholesale slaughter yeah. uh, going on. So going to go see that, going to go to Amish ter- territory. I love the Amish people. They're interesting folks. But I'll tell you what about I know about the Amish people. They know how to cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to eat in there. We're going to Sight and Sound. Going to see the presentation of David. And uh, then our last stop as we come back, we'll spend a full day in uh, Philadelphia and go to uh, Constitution Hall, get to see the actual Liberty Bell that's out there in Constitution Park, go see the uh, the, the gravesite of, of uh, Franklin. He's buried right there. Go in that church that's right there, and you can walk in there, and the, the bricks that are there are the bricks that were back in the 1700s. You can actually see where Washington sat and where Franklin sat, and uh, where a lot of other founding fathers had. That was the one thing I enjoyed about the time when I lived up in Jersey, was to go and see all those places. There's it's something pretty, special about yeah, that. that. pretty cool. There's something special about, and, and I look forward to the day that I can finally, one of my, my number one bucket list thing is to go to Israel, all right? And I want to go to Bethlehem, and I want to go to Jerusalem. But I want to go to Jerusalem and, and, and go where... The piece of the temple is still there, and the steps that are there that Christ, they know for a fact, Mm -hmm. Christ walked on. And there's just something to know that you are walking in the actual area that the the Savior walked at. You know, I, I look forward to that. 
Really, it's an exceptional it. trip. Have you been over there? Uh, several times. I, when I worked for Lockheed Martin, I was the F-16 training manager for the Israeli Air Force. So <laughs> we would we would meet over there several times a year. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, the Israelis they don't screw around. No. Um, did you happen to see when? When President Biden and uh, the Prime Minister were having that joint news conference and they were talking about Iran, and, and the President standing up there and said, yeah, we won't let them have a, a nuclear weapon, but I still say diplomacy is the best way to do it. <laughs> the guy from Israel gets up there. I don't, I don't remember who it is now and what his name is, but he says, uh, Mr. President, you have to have a military response. And you got to tell the uh, the Iranians what it is, and it's got to be viable, and it's got to be on the table, because that's the only thing yeah, that yep. they understand. I thought, dude, yep. <laughs> he nailed it. Yeah, just just say it the way it is, and yeah. I loved it. That, that's why people don't understand the culture, and they don't understand the uh, you know the the back and forth when things happen. If you let um, that culture strike you and you do not respond it is automatically perceived as weakness so they don't take any guff the minute something needs to be done israelis are going to do it because the arab culture needs to know you ain't playing yeah i agree with that and running your mouth is does is playing i hope the president gives them all the bunker busters that they need for their planes absolutely (laughs) way i look at it they got ones that can go about oh eight floors down yep but I'm sure the Iranians know that. But if you've got to dig through all of that to get to the to nuclear program again, probably we'll slow it. you up a little bit. <laughs> right. and that's bottom line. That's the way that's, the way that's going to work. All right, so let's get with the Bible, guys. Question number one question is, why doesn't God answer our prayers? I mean, this is a wide-open subject because there's, right. there's a lot of reasons that mm-hmm. this could happen. I'll just start it off. And, and then I'll throw it over to our guests here. And that is unconfessed sin. Could that, be one. If, if you're, That'll if, work. i got to say, if you're on your knees and you're praying and, and you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing right down at you again, mm-hmm. that's the first place that I would start looking mm-hmm. myself into myself. Is there something that I've done that I knew would not make God happy with my life. There's also another reference in the New Testament that talks about disunity in the home. So if you have disunity with your spouse, it, it says that your so your prayers would not be hindered. And I think um, uh, besides the sin, I would also just really take it back to the same reason you don't let your kid munch on five bags of cotton candy, right? <laughs> Whatever the Discipline, reason is, maybe? right? Well, just whatever the reason, it's not going to be good for you. Okay. So we don't see it uh, from God's perspective, and so I think that we always need to remember one of the things. I think it's in James, where it says He hears us, but He answers according to His will. Right. So we need to make sure that our will lines up with God's will. Most of the time, we come up with a plan or we come up with something that we want to seek Him about, and we want Him to bless it and make it fit into His will when it needs to be the other way around. We need to find out what God desires, and then I don't think you'll have any problem getting your prayers answered. But at, but at the same time, whenever we're praying about something, he may simply go, "It's no, it's gonna, not going to work for what I have for you. Or it, this, what I may give you, may actually affect something else that I'm trying to get working over on this other side. All right. 
Joe? Well, you know, it, I, I look at it this way as well in, in following along with that, is that we ask amiss. We, I, I mean, we're not seeking what, what God truly desires, as you said, from, from our life. And sometimes we want to ask for things just because we want those things, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily what, what God would desire for us. And I know I, for years, you know, I've prayed for a Harley, um, and my wife and daughters <laughs> won't, 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 won't come through with it. But I understand why. And, and, right. and you know, you know, it's for me. It would be a, a very dangerous thing. And sometimes, when God doesn't answer our prayers, He's He's looking out for our best interest. But we we don't look at it that way. And one of the things that I've always told my daughters is that when we're praying and we're asking God for something, remember, He's looking out for what's best for you. And uh, that may not be the best thing for you. And it may not be the best thing at this particular time in your life. It may be ten years from now. He may grant right. that. But uh, it may not be the time or, or the place right now for the answer to that prayer. And, and, and again, what is it that we're praying for? I mean, that ha- that's the big question. What is it you're asking for mm-hmm. that he's not answering? Mm-hmm. There's another place where he talks about um, that it says that you want them for yourself as pleasures, right? That you want them. Who's he? James? I, it's, I, th- I think it was in James. I can't okay. remember. But it talks about when asking for those things, he says, because you're asking amiss because you want to spend them on foolish treasures or something like that. Are you asking for his kingdom glory? I mean, right. that, that's the other issue. Uh, when we pray and we're asking for something, how is this going to glorify God? And and every answer to prayer ought to be, uh, and every prayer request should be some in, in it, how am I going to glorify God mm-hmm. through this? Mm-hmm. Advancing, advancing the kingdom. Go that's ahead, right. uh, Billy. Yeah, you know, I always told my kids, God always answers prayers, but sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is not yet. So um, a, a lot of times I have dealt with people um, who over the years, uh, God isn't answering my prayer. God isn't answering my prayer. God, and then they'll come back. Sometimes um, with Sister Bob, I think it was a decade or more, uh, God finally answered that prayer. No, God had always intended to answer that prayer. Just wasn't time yet. So sometimes our problem is a timing problem. Um, and, and the biggest one is that we are... We are Americans, and we don't realize just how self-centered we are. Um, and, and so often, our prayers really are not about the kingdom. They are really about us um, and our desires and our fleshly things. Yep. Um, and we have convinced ourselves that those are necessary things and spiritual things when they are far from it. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There are things, um, and there are stand at the graveside of a child and try to answer a parent. It's right. it's impossible. Mm. Yep. Um, and sometimes you just have to be able to say, I don't know. Um, I don't know why God did not answer your prayer. I have no idea. Um, but I have to rely on the fact that God is good. God's plan is so much bigger than mine. And God knows what he's doing, right? God knows what he's doing. Uh, And all I can do is try to walk the path that he has established and let my will line up with his will, not try to force his will to line up with mine. The fastest way to not get prayer answered is to try to crowbar God into my plans. doesn't work that way. The uh, scripture I was referring to is James 4, 3, where it says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. And, you know, sometimes, uh, Dave, on these, w- when you pray, 
and the answer is delayed, it's for your spiritual growth. I, and I truly believe that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it begins to that point of learning how to depend upon God, trusting him mm-hmm. in all things. And, you know, when, when we had left uh, um, Texas to go to Georgia for a ministry, you know, we, we had to sell our house, and it was the housing market was bad at that time. I mean, very bad. People on our neighbor on our street had been had their houses up for sale for almost a year, and we prayed. And God, I mean, within the first fifteen minutes, it was open, it was sold. But that now that was a different story when we went to Georgia, and we were moving from Georgia to Hawaii. God didn't answer our prayer for selling that house till we got on a plane to go yeah. to Hawaii. <laughs> wow! And, 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 but but yet it was a time of learning to depend on Him yeah. and just trust Him completely and fully. If you are walking in His will, like we believed He was moving us from Georgia to Hawaii, walking in that will, He was going to answer that prayer. But we just had to depend on that. Yep. All right, we got to get our first break in. Let's do that. It's the Bible Guys here on one oh one one. FM, the answer. If you have a question, you can send it over to me by uh, email at BibleGuys at SalemLR.com, or you can call us at 501-823-0965. All right, back with you. So why doesn't God just answer our prayers? And uh, let me let me run over the answers that we come up with maybe there's sin in your life uh, maybe he's trying to teach you something maybe he's trying to you know discipline you mm-hmm. teach you patience or whatever uh, maybe what you're asking for he knows is not good for you mm-hmm. and you don't want to do it maybe it's good for you but not now I mean, did I hit everything? Yeah, yeah, I think you did. Am I pretty and close Disunity there? in the home. Don't forget and disunity that. in the home, all right? You know, don't don't go to bed. There's somewhere in Scripture it says don't go to bed with enmity between you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, don't let the sun yeah, go down. Yes, you, can, yeah. you, know, you don't want to let the sun go down. I guess maybe that was maybe that was Solomon who said that when he was smart. <laughs> there, there was part of his reign that he wasn't a very so smart, smart guy. That's it. He's pretty stupid. Yeah. He may fact. have been wise, but he was stupid. Yeah. He was, well, you know what? <laughs> he had moments of it. Here, there's a thing to really learn out of out of Solomon is this: don't tie yourself to people who don't yep. believe that's right. what you believe. It's true. Yep. And that's what he that's did. That's really what it comes down that's to. Right. And that's really what he did. I mean, the Queen of Sheba, I mean, he saw her the first time. It was like, oh, man, check out right. the chick, you know. And But her religion and his religion didn't line up. And what's it say? Don't be yoked with... Don't be unequal. Don't be unequal. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. So anyway, it's something to think that's about. That's what led to him all his troubles. Yeah. That, yep. that and his 700 wives. Right. Yep. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I still don't get that. Right. I have enough problems with one wife. Right. I cannot imagine having 700. Well, I guess it was different back then. Yeah. They were con- not concubines, but they were in his harem or whatever. Right. And he didn't see them every day. Uh, I guess he would say, you know, send number 683 up here. Yeah, well, I'll spend some time with her or whatever. Well, even the 700 wasn't enough. He had 300 concubines right. to add to that. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, how did he get away with that? 
I, he was Gatsby. king. Yeah, yeah. He, he was right. king, right? That's well, where the old saying comes, it's good to be it's king. It's good to be That's king. Right. And, and yeah. we don't understand that a lot of that whole wife business was political expediency, right? And yeah. If, if, the, if, the, neighbor, if the, the neighbor who is a, also a king is, is really eyeballing your land, you just marry his daughter, and then that goes away, because he's certainly not going to attack his own daughter, right? So a lot of that was political well, expediency. Well, they knew if he attacked you, you'd probably take a sword to right? his daughter. So... <laughs> so uh, probably a good thing not to do to do that kind of that kind of stuff. All right, now I'm going to get into some. I always say this on my show, and that is that culture is upstream from politics. And what I mean by that is what you'll see in movies, what you hear in music, what you read in books uh, is upstream from a lot of times the normal vision of everyday reality in your in your life okay that's that's where stuff comes from and it probably is not going to be mm, close to the type of life maybe that you're trying to live especially if you're trying to live a christian life Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm i'm stunned sometimes when i watch television and i go say what you know i'll see Mm -hmm. something and i'm just like what how do you get look i'm having problems now going to the movies and the studios are bound and determined Mm -hmm. in every movie Mm -hmm. to bring this woke stuff into Mm -hmm. it exactly and i i went and saw a movie not too long ago called the black phone i like horror i get a kick out of horror I, i know how they manipulate people and how they bring things from the right side of the screen because when you when you read you start at the top of the page on the left hand side so you're not paying attention over on the right so they jump out at you there and it makes you jump of course and they use sound and things of that nature but this was a really good movie it it had a a really good storyline until the last 10 minutes and I, I looked at my my wife as we were coming out of the theater, and I said, I really like that movie and, until they had the girl get out of the car, and she had the rainbow on the front of her jacket. Mm. And they started referencing uh, the homosexual lifestyle. And I'm going, and it had nothing to do with the storyline. Mm-hmm. Now, there's there's something to be said that, you know, look, I know there's gay people in the world. I don't believe everybody is, quote, let me use their term, cisgender, okay? Mm-hmm. But I do know that there's not as many gays as you would believe there are right. in the world today. Yeah, right. You would think that 80% of the population's gay. It's not that way. It's about 9%. That's what they'll... Most studies I thought show it was that. like three. Now yeah, right. that it's less than even three percent for transgender. Yeah. It's less than one percent. In fact, it's yeah. about point three percent. I think something like it's, that. It's yeah. tiny. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very very, very tiny. small. But you would think it was huge. Yeah. But uh, they just keep pushing this. They they pushed it in uh, uh, Doctor Strange and uh, you know in the, the multiverse. They pushed it in that. And look. Strange is that's one of the comic books I loved when I was younger, and now I get to the point where I don't 
I'm afraid to go to the movies because I'm going to be assaulted by this stuff. Yeah. And, that, and that's exactly right. So when we come back, I want to talk about that with you all. Okay. And uh, how much should we be – I mean, the Bible says that we should be protecting our souls by protecting what we take into our souls with our eyes. Yep. So let's talk about that when we come back here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, but right now, I got Bill O'Reilly that's chomping at the bit. He wants to talk, so I got to let him do that. And then we'll take a little few minutes after to spend and make some money, and then we'll come back and talk some more. Joe is here from Bethel, Joe Manning. He's the, the pastor there. So he's celebrating his 13th year. Yes. What kept you here so long? Uh, the, the folks at the church. I got. A, I, I'm blessed. I'm telling you, we got a great church. We got fine people and um, uh, pastoring in other churches around the country. And that th- this church tops it all. I wouldn't leave for nothing. Well, cool. Yeah. And then how long? How long have you been in this area, Steve? Ooh, let's see. Off Quite a on, while. Thirty-two years. Thirty-two years. Well, except for the time that I was stationed at other places and stuff. But yeah. You've been stationed at Little Rock Air Force Base for 32 Not years? Not stationed. I mean, I've been retired almost nine years. So, well, I didn't know. realize it had been nine years. Yeah, I retired in uh, spring of 2013. Are you retired on active duty? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding my son That was the, about that. was that the last now. year. Yeah, they call it when That's guys a, get close. The they get road. Year, it's a, yeah, you, get, you become a road sergeant at yeah. that point. No. Retired on active duty. Billy, how long have you been here in the Little Rock area? Um, Since I was 12, so basically forever. Wow. Yeah. Me and Noah got off the boat at the same time, so... (laughs) That was that was right after you did. So you caught you caught the olive branch. That's right. right. That's right. Uh, yeah, That's we good. we moved from uh, northeast Arkansas. I, I've lived in Arkansas all my life, but uh, my father pastored little bitty churches all over the northeast uh, of Arkansas. Up in Paragool and those areas. Yeah, I was I was actually born in Paragool. So, really? Yeah. So did, did you happen to here. know a family by the name of Swindle? I, me personally, no. Okay, uh, my, my dad knew everybody. It's just kind of the nature of how that man was or is. Um, but no, I did not. When I was, I got out of college and I was looking for work, and uh, one of our best uh, friends uh, from across the street where I grew up in Hessville had moved out to a place called South Haven, which was out in Portage, Indiana, which was quite a ways away. It was in another county next to Lake where I was at. It was Porter County. And uh, we would go out and still visit him and everything. Uh, he says, uh, and I was called Davey because my dad's name was Dave. So that's mm. the way they differentiated between the two of us. And Jay came up to me, Jay Swindle, and says, Davey, I, I said, I think my, my brother is looking for a salesman. Would you be interested in sales? And I said, sure. I don't, I'm looking for anything right now. And, uh, he lived in Paragool, and they owned what was called Red Book. Now, that is like uh, Teleflora or any of those other books back in the day when you didn't have the Internet, and you went into a florist, and you ordered flowers, and you'd go to the book, and you'd look, and you'd say, I want that particular setup, and I need it to be delivered in this place, and they would look in the place that the flowers are going to and they would call the floors there and they would make the the, the arrangement and whatnot and uh, they had a thing called red book 
and uh, my my uh, area where uh, I was in Arizona, New Mexico, California, Oregon, and Washington. And the only thing that I did not like about the gig is that I was on the road every day of every week of every month of mm-hmm. every year. Mm-hmm. And I got tired of it. I just I finally quit because I just couldn't take it any longer. It was crazy. But uh, it's also how I got from the Midwest all the way to the West Coast and had heard about, you know, this state called California and the California girls. And, you know, I bought into the whole Beach Boy lifestyle and all that kind of uh, garbage. And then I got out there and I started talking to the people out there and found them empty of any any reality whatsoever. And uh, I still feel like it's the land of the fruits. I was going to say, so it hasn't changed much. <laughs> it hasn't really. No, it's just gotten worse. Right. That's all it's done. It's just gotten worse. You know, I did not realize that Governor Newsom in California revoked Sirhan Sirhan's. Uh, he, he got out of prison, and he put him back in prison. Hmm. I can't believe that that that. A Democrat actually did that, uh, but and, man, and put him back in. That prison. was the one that shot Bobby, right? right. Shot Bobby Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. I remember that because I was a senior in high school when that happened. I went and woke my parents up, and I said, "You're not going to believe this." And what? Uh, they've killed Bobby Kennedy, and he had just been to Indianapolis a very short time before that because he was running for president at that point. He was running, wanting to be the Democratic nominee, and then. Everything went to pot at that point. So we were talking about culture. Do not underestimate how powerful culture is. Mm -hmm. Culture makes you want to dress certain ways. Culture makes you want to drive certain cars. Culture makes your family certain ways. It's just amazing how much it will shape you. There was a time there was an author who called television the vast wasteland and uh he knew more than i did at that time to be honest he was my grandpa called it the idiot box he was Mm -hmm. exactly he was exactly right so let's talk about that as christians what do you got to be careful about when it comes to culture let's start with you joe well you you have to be careful in, in not allowing the culture to infiltrate what your worldview, your biblical worldview. Our, our worldview, worldview as Christians comes directly from the Bible. And what we have a tendency of doing is allowing the culture to come in, and we use the culture then as the lenses of their glasses to interpret the Scripture. And we can't do that. What we need to do is use the Bible, the Scripture, to interpret the culture. And it, so we've got to be very careful with that. Otherwise, we're going to end up drifting off. And this is why we see the, the surveys that, that indicate that less than 6% of professing Christians have a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And they're allowing the culture to change them. They're allowing the culture to move them in whatever direction um, they think is the most popular. And, and the sad thing is we're, <clears throat> pastors in the pulpit are allowing this to happen yeah. rather than standing up and proclaiming the truth of God's word and teaching the full counsel of his word and teaching believers how to use the Bible to interpret culture and then how to address the culture and how to address it in a way that it opens up to sharing the gospel. And and so that's that, that's the danger we have. Yep. Billy? Yeah, the, the, there was a... 
there was a drive at some point, probably just after the 60s, to become, quote, culturally relevant, end quote. And the problem with that is that when we start trying to interpret uh, the Word of God through the lens of the current culture, the current culture never stands still. And what we end up with is a watered-down version of the Word of God. And the moment you water down the Word of God, it loses its veracity. It loses its impact on life. The reason the Word of God is so impactful is that it does not change, and it is the Word of God. The moment we start trying to reinterpret and soften around the edges, and it, it doesn't mean anything. And that is the reason that so many people withdrew from church. They go, well, I walk in here, and I hear a ear-tickling speech from a guy who is a professional speaker, and I feel good about myself when I walk out, but my life was not changed. Mm-hmm. My life was not impacted. And by the way, if I just want to feel good about myself, I can find a video on YouTube that will do that in about 10 minutes. If I just want somebody to pat me on the back, I don't need to go to church for that. They go to church. Traditionally, they went to church to be changed, to become godlike. And uh, unfortunately, uh, culturally, church has surrendered that position. Um, that's the reason we can have laser light shows and smoke. And I'm not – look, there are, there are times when that sort of thing is appropriate. In not at very, church. In very <laughs> – tiny amounts and for outreach purposes if your primary purpose on a sunday is to show off your your light display and to show the new smoke machine and pop you're doing it wrong period i think it goes back again to what what's the purpose of worship right what what are we coming to church for um and and i think we've lost that meaning that that we come with this idea of encountering a holy god and then responding to that encounter in a way that that enhances our relationship with him and and creates within us that desire to go out and show that relationship to a world rather than allowing the world to show us how we ought to live yeah we have i'm sorry we have we have forgotten that while god will meet us where we are at he did not expect us to stay there that's right god will come to where we're at but the point was i'll meet you where you're at and then pull you towards me and and we want to try to pull god down to where we are it's like this is where i'm going to live we are supposed to be we're actually supposed to be counterculture right And, and i hear this phrase a lot from a lot of um church leaders out there and talk about the word inclusion Excuse me while I go throw up. It is completely opposite of what Jesus taught. Completely yeah. opposite. He told there is no inclusionary. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except by me. That's not inclusion, that's exclusion. Yep. You don't get to God by any other way. And and for him for people to say that we're supposed to accept and how he ex- no, no, he did not accept. He talked to them. He met with them. He fellowshiped with them, but he did that, and all the while he was doing that, he said, repent, change, be changed, be different. That's what he was telling them to do. We have this idea today that Jesus would go and be hanging out at an LGBTQ event and and then affirming it instead of calling for them to repent. He would be trying to heal them from the things that have led them into that lifestyle, but he would not say, well, you just stay the way you are, I love you the way you are, and don't worry about all the sin you're committing. He would not. And that's how he's taught and portrayed in a lot of circles today. 24%, according to Gallup, of Christians do not believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. 
Oh, it's it's higher than that in the last poll. Yeah. And what was what was really um, what was really interesting about the most recent poll that uh, I think it was Barna did is that the larger a church becomes and the larger the pastoral staff becomes, the less likely that the senior pastor believes that the word of God is the literal word of God. Uh, to the point that in the largest churches, it's 4%. 4% of senior pastors believe wow. that the Word of God is the literal that, Word of God. That, that's a true statement. And, that's and just... It, 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 it's, why is that? I, I think we get into this idea of, of this church growth movement that started in the late 1940s and, and has continued yeah. on, that, that in order for us to be successful, we have to pack so many backsides in the pews. Yeah. Our budget has to be so large. And that's that's the only way that we're going to be able to measure success. Yeah. And rather than yeah. measuring the success on making disciples, yeah. making those that truly have an intimate relationship with the Lord. And so pastors began to buy into any kind of new church growth movement. Movement, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's where we find ourselves today. Some of my earliest training within the church was not about making disciples; it was about how to build a bigger church. Yep. As a young man, well, I had just and, and you know, you don't find that in the Bible, do you? Yeah, you do not. Uh, we're, we're not taught anywhere in the Bible that therefore go out and build churches. Yeah. You know, the purpose of the church is to equip the saints. And that's what we were supposed to be about. That's the reason I left cemetery. That's right. And I'll talk about that when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, our final break. And then Joe and Billy and Steve will be back right here on 1011 FM, The Answer. Little history about myself when I was at seminary in Fort Worth. I kept hearing all these different guys that wanted to be preachers talking about how big their churches were going to be. And I said, what What are you going to do if God calls you overseas to, to minister to a little small congregation over in China, for instance? Well, God would never ask me to do that. Hmm. See, I, You're and, right, because he knows you won't do it. And, and, and that's when my thought about being part of a, a preaching started to change yep. because I started to see what was – what, and that's not something I'm going to say was taught, but it was caught. Mm-hmm. Right. It was taught, it was but culture. it was kind of subliminal. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You caught it. The biggest and it thing became part of you. Event that truly changed the culture of the church was what happened in the late '70s and early '80s when it became about the prosperity gospel stuff, mm. and that's where the abundance of the American culture then started to change the lens of how preachers read the Word of God. So now, just like if you had someone, and I I tell people, you always have to be careful that you don't let your personality influence how you're interpreting. Because if you are a person that can be somewhat pessimistic, then you're going to grab a hold of all the judgment side of the the Scriptures, right? (laughs) And if you're one of these people that it's overly optimistic, then you'll never receive any of the judgment sides of Scriptures because you only want to talk about the positive. Right. If you... And our culture, in American culture, is was about abundance, right? The eighties were was that the was it the decade of decadence, to be right? Greed. Right, yeah. And so then what happened is now the culture greed started to infect good. these infect these preachers, and then the prosperity gospel came out and, and changed the church culture. Now, of course, that's what Gecko said in Wall Street. 
No. Creed is good. Right. Yeah, remember, it was the decade of destiny. Yeah. I mean, the 80s and there. With, and everybody was looking forward to some kind of great destiny and some kind of prosperity. And uh, it, as you said, it filtered into the church. And that's what we started hearing. And you didn't hear the all both sides. You didn't hear the judgment of God or the, or the grace of God. It was one or the other. Right. Right. And it wasn't balanced out. And so you it had a lot. Still of, is in band, it, it still isn't. It still isn't. You know. Have and, you listened to Stanley's son preach? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he talks about uh, unhooking yourself from the Old Testament, right. you know, you can't do that. You right. can't understand the new without the old. Well, you can't understand Christ without the old because no. that's how the apostles led people to Christ with the old. But see, some Christians don't. They, they don't understand that. I don't think that when I tell them, I said, you, you understand when you read through the Book of Hebrews or. You read through First uh, Peter or Second Peter. The only Bible they had mm-hmm. was the Old Testament, and and it seems like that sometimes they're so shocked at that. You mean they didn't have they didn't the Gospel have the of Roman, Mark? Or, they didn't have the Roman rule. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have all of that. <laughs> no, they didn't. And so when they refer back to the Scriptures and in living according to the Scriptures, the only thing they had were the old was the Old Testament and how the apostles and the and the new ministers, if you will, uh, taught the Christian life from the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. And if we could ever put those things back together, right, as uh, a lot of pastors will will actually tell people to rip that center part, right, rip that center page out of their Bible, right, the one that separates the old Mm -hmm. from the new, because you cannot understand them apart from one another. You have to put them together. Well, I always like what Brother Scott says, and that is there are more – Accounting more quotes mm-hmm. about the Old Testament in Revelation than in any other book of the Bible. Yeah, there are actually more quotes of the Old Testament in the Book of Revelation than there are verses in the Book of Revelation. So Isn't there's more amazing? than there's more than one for one in the Book of. Revelation. And if you, I, I wish I knew all the the exact statistics, but it's really really high that if you were to go and take all of the um, direct quotes out of the New Testament and or the allusions to the Old Testament references, then what you have in the New Testament would be something like 10% separated from the Old. Like yeah. the majority of the New Testament is quoting the Old Testament or, expounding or upon concepts it. Yep. In, in, the, in, in that and trying right. to get the That's people to Christ understand. That's what taught, wasn't it? Yep. Right. Yep. So they were trying to get the, this Greek-speaking Greek culture that was biblically illiterate to understand the whole story, and that's why they kept weaving all of that into a lot of these New Testament writings. You see, and we've got the biblical illiteracy today. I mean, we've got more Bibles than any other country in the world, but Don't biblically read. illiterate. Yeah. And Don't and one of the things that I did with our church is, is I took them through a session that I had written a paper on, the teaching value of first chap, six chapters of the book of Leviticus for Christians today. And, you know, that's where all the sacrifices are, but there's so so much richness there uh, for us in our Christian walk and understanding who Jesus Christ is that uh, you can't you can't separate that you can't pull it out. Well, you'll find a whole lot of Jesus in the Old Testament. Yes, you will. <laughs> I'm yes, just you will. saying yeah. that he's there. He's you know he's the Word. Come he on, is. folks. He is, and, and and it's so sad that that we we want to throw away the old to just focus on the new, and and yet really our focus is only on the Gospel of John. You know, you, you, Christians know John three sixteen. 
But right. <clears throat> they need to go down and read John 3.36 as well and the rest of it, uh, but they don't. And that's our focus. As long as I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, you know, that's all got that I really... I, that's policy. it. I got my ticket punched and I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll welcome you back again, Joe. How's yeah. that? I, I would love to, Dave. I would love to. And also, remember this. It used to be called Judeo-Christian. That's right. That's right. All right? Because we're grafted into the vine of Judaism. Keep yeah. that in mind. Amen. Yes. If you don't know Amen. what I'm talking about, read your Bible. Read your Bible. <laughs> Go to Romans 11. That's it. All right. got to get out of here. Bible Guys is done for this week. We'll pick it up again next week. I don't know who will be here. But uh, if we if we need an extra person, Joe, you're in. I'm, I'll be glad to be here, man. <laughs> All right. We'll take a break. You guys, thanks so much for coming by. Thank it's you, always a great hour. I'm the person that looks forward to this hour because it feeds my soul. I love it. All right. And we're spiritual beings as well. Keep that Amen. in mind, everybody. Amen. That's it. Amen. All right. A break, and then I'll be back at 9 o'clock, and I think Robert Steinbach is going to uh, join me. I want to get back into talking about the uh, crime here in Little Rock. We'll talk more about it at 9 o'clock on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get underway. It's uh, 9 o'clock. State Senator uh, Mark Johnson is in the studio with me as well. On the phone is uh, Robert Steinbach. I've asked him to join me uh, here in this uh, this uh, segment for sure. And he may stick, stick around because there's a lot of things to talk about, about 2023 and the rest of this year. And uh, I've been working with uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders campaign folks and Hopefully, within the next couple of weeks, we'll have her in studio and have a sit-down interview with her here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, that's what I've been working towards. And uh, and I'm going to start turning my attention a little bit more towards Little Rock as well and talking about uh, some of the issues that are out there that you need to consider uh, if you live here in Pulaski County and in the Little Rock area proper uh, about... Uh, uh, what are the big issues facing uh, the mayoral candidates that are out there, which is, uh, of course, Frank Scott, the incumbent, and then his challenger, Steve Landers. And we'll be uh, talking about all of that. In fact, I wanted to talk about one of those issues to start off with. And, Robert, I'll start with you because it was an issue that you brought up in your campaign here just uh, a few uh, weeks back, and that is crime in uh, in Little Rock. Uh, you know, I think the mayor tries to downplay it a lot, and there's no downplaying about it. Crime is not good here in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. It's terrible, uh, and the mayor 
has said recently, as you pointed out many times on your show, Dave, that this is this is a safe city. Well, <clears throat> we're up to about 50 or 51 murders so far this year alone in Little Rock. There's no way that's safe. By the way, that's the highest number since, I think, the 70s or 80s uh, during the crack pandemic in Little Rock. So to say that we're the safest city is a joke. And as you know, by the way, Dave, uh, Chris Corbett and I <clears throat> have several gun lawsuits, including one to permit Chris to carry his gun with his enhanced concealed license <clears throat> into City Hall. And what did the attorney for Little Rock say? Well, the employees are afraid. <laughs> People like Chris, a law-abiding citizen and officer of the court, by the way, carries a gun into City Hall. And the response is, A, I don't work for them. And B, the citizens of Arkansas and the citizens of Little Rock are afraid to walk the streets of Little Rock to get to City Hall. They need a gun. Yeah, and I agree with that. We've we've got a, a bad situation here. I think I saw uh, it was 967 instances of violent crime per 100,000 people. That's a lot. I mean, that is a lot. It's like one in 55 chance. That, that's not good chances. We're number 10 in the United States in violent crime here in Little Rock. Now, I guess you could... You, if you were the mayor, you can say, "Yeah, but Pine Bluff's number four. <laughs> you know, I guess you can say that. But that's uh, bragging rights. Yeah, man. but I think they're kind of hooked at the hip, don't you? Well, they're not that it's, far it's apart. A, let's call it a regional problem, okay. and not just a, a a central Arkansas south. They call Pine Bluff southeast Arkansas, but I consider it really more central Arkansas. But, I agree uh, with that, Rob. You saw the story of uh, the young man that uh, was the hero and the the good guy with a gun that averted disaster oh in greenwood yeah yeah. and this is uh, the point is that that's what that's the reason we have the second amendment i mean and not just to protect us from criminals but to protect us from the government too but but the point is that uh those are not the stories you hear as much of as much in this blame blame the weapon culture well not only that if you look at the new york times uh, the top three uh, articles are on how hot it is in England, and you have to scroll down. You know, they used to call this below the fold when we read hard copy newspapers to find the article saying that a good guy with a gun saved innocent people, and he did no doubt. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if that guy was not there and the results of that bad guy uh, with the gun uh, had uh, precipitated, you know that would have been top of the fold, top of the list. That's right. Yeah, by the way, just so everybody knows, there are people that are upset in Indiana. Greenwood is central Indiana, by the way. It's just about 20 miles, maybe less, south of Indianapolis. I, I know the Greenwood Mall. I've been to the Greenwood Mall. And uh, they're saying... Don't call him a good Samaritan. Don't you know the story in the Bible? Well, good Samaritan has taken on a much larger uh, definition right. than that story in the Bible about uh, the guy helping uh, the, the Samaritan had on the side of the road. I prefer a hero. Yeah, he was a hero. And there's no doubt. 22 years old and did, and did what he needed to do. I guess was with his girlfriend, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that was correct. Is this what's going on? 
three people died, a whole lot more would have died if he hadn't have been there with a handgun. He fired ten shots, evidently, and uh, took this guy out. And he was legally, yeah, he's legally carrying a pistol under Indiana law. They had just passed open carry, by the way, in Indiana the day before. I don't know if the he day was, before. Yeah, I don't know if he was wow. open carrying that day or or if he was concealed carrying, but whichever it was, he was carrying. And thank God for that. I mean, seriously. I mean, I can't believe people would find something wrong that somebody was doing what they should be doing and do what they did, which is the right thing to do, which is not only protect themselves, but protect their fellow citizens. Yeah, and um, that point that you just raised, Dave, actually is critically important. According to the New York Times, I realize that that's a questionable source these days, but that notwithstanding, according to the New York Times, uh, they don't believe he had a license. They believe he was carrying pursuant to constitutional carry. And it shows mm-hmm. you the importance of the notion of constitutional carry. Yes, we can have certain licenses for reciprocity uh, purposes, but you don't need to have a license to have your constitutional rights, state and federal alike. That's the whole distinction between licenses and constitutional rights. If you had a constitutional right to drive a car, you wouldn't need a driver's license. Well, you have a right to. I've had this discussion with, well, actually, for our old friend Wynn Rockefellers, that that you have a constitutional right to travel. You may the government may regulate that, like there are traffic lights you have to stop when it's red, but that doesn't mean you can't travel. And, and a license is simply a regulation, not a prohibition. So I'm the idea that uh, the government uh, grants you those rights is the thing that's so important to me. I, these are natural rights that are enshrined in the Constitution, and the and the uh, Ninth Amendment mentions that if hey, if we forgot one, it's your right. Well, you know they were they were attacking this guy, the hero in this case, uh, because you're not supposed to be carrying in Greenwood Mall. Well, all I'll say to that is, thank God either he didn't see the sign or he just disregarded. That was, and that was, I think he says, a Simon property. And Simon, you know, again, maybe Simon had about was about to reevaluate their policy in light of the new Indiana law. You mentioned it could be, could be. I'm just saying that he did what you. Well, you know, Ed, Ed, you guys both know Ed Monk, and he'll tell you that in the first ten minutes, if you don't have a gun on the scene with the person who has a gun, he's going to kill somebody every ten seconds. Think about that for a moment. Every 10 seconds. I'm glad the guy had his handgun there. I think a lot of people are. And, and this, I'm going to call it an epidemic, Dave, of these, these, these young people finding a new way to get attention. Hmm. There's a, a thing I've heard in the past called the law of the soggy potato chip. Okay. And it's that a child wants to have a nice, crisp potato chip. But having a soggy potato chip is better than no potato chip at all. And the point being that some young, not some, all young people need attention. They prefer positive attention. That's right. But if they can't get that, they'll do something to get negative attention. And the the thing to do in 2022, sad to say, is to go out with a gun and kill somebody. And that's 
It's frightening, but it, it's it's not a gun problem. It's a social problem. It's a uh, parenting problem. Uh, it's a societal problem. And if the next thing to do is to take a, a car and run through a crowd, which we've had happen before. Yeah. Or stab somebody with a knife, which we have had happen it just is, here in Little Rock. Right. It, it's it's a, a lashing out. And to, to quote my grandfather, what they need is some good raising. Mm-hmm. And the, the deterioration of the nuclear family and all of the uh, cultural things that we see around contribute to this problem. I'm not saying that, you know, some violent video game is causing is in the blame for this, but all taken together, it has an effect. The other thing that I always find interesting is how many people become Bible scholars. Uh, oh, when something like this like comes something up? happens and they say, Jesus never said that you should have the right to self-defense. You better learn. You better learn about the Jewish laws during the day. Yes, you did, and I know that you're going to say, "Well, it says if somebody smites you on the cheek, you should turn the other cheek." You should know to who that means. It means to a brother. It doesn't mean to everybody. You know, it it, it drives me crazy when I hear people misquote scripture and say, well, here's what it meant, when that's not what it meant at all. Build the wall behind your home. Yeah. You know, that's where we really are. It's it's crazy. It really, really is crazy. So what should the mayor be doing, uh, Robert? I mean, you you just ran for office. You were looking to be a a state representative. Uh, What should the mayor, do you believe the mayor should do? I think he should bring in more police officers. How about you? No, you're exactly right, but the whole uh, upper echelon of the police uh, in Little Rock is in shambles, right? He had an awful, an absolutely awful chief of police. Uh, They got rid of him, uh, finally, uh, through his, quote, retirement, uh, and they had someone in in the position for, uh, like, a minute, temporarily. Yeah, two weeks. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, two weeks. Uh, Now there's somebody else there who will be there for another 14 seconds, probably. Who knows? so he, he can't run his own police department. He's down, I think, a hundred officers. I think. It, I think if if I think they were down seventy, and then I think they said then another hundred. So they're down like a hundred and seventy officers total. Wow! Wow! It's crazy. It's a lot. It's crazy, and you and you can't have a safe environment. And of course, the attitude. Right. The attitude is is I don't know if it was the police department or the sheriff. Somebody in there came up with this phrase hug a thug i'm not going well, to hug any thug <laughs> that so, was uh, 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 vice mayor hines and he was roundly criticized for saying some of the social programs that the city was going to do to solve the pr- crime problem yeah he, he called, called it yeah and he kind of apologized they, they beat him down on it but i called him i was disappointed that he backed down on i agree it. it's exactly what it was it, it was, was what they were thug. doing that's exactly what they were doing all right stay with us robert we're going to come back and uh we're going to get into a discussion about uh you know the special session and I want you to be around for that as well. Don't forget about PI Roofing. They'll take care of your roof. Uh, if it's just a small area that you got a leak, they'll fix it for you. If you need a new roof, they'll fix it for you. They'll take care of 
your uh, insurance people, the the folks, the appraiser that gets up on your roof, they'll get up there with them and show them the problems that are there, and they'll work out and get you the best deal they possibly can. Because hey, PI Roofing, uh, look, they they do all that construction stuff. They know what needs to be done. They'll help you make sure it gets done. That's PI Roofing. You can call them at 501-707-3551 or visit them online at piroofing.com. Talked a little local politics. Let's talk some state politics now. And uh, let me just start off with the the state senator here, Mark Johnson. Uh, Mark, are, are you, do you feel like we need a special session right now? The governor does. Well, okay, Dave. At this moment in time, we cannot call ourselves into session. So the governor has that prerogative. He issues a call, and he puts items on the call. And they're not bills. They're subjects. Uh, And we deal with those, and the the Constitution allows us to, once we have completed the items in the call by an extraordinary majority, we may take up other matters. Uh, You saw that play out in December when several of us wanted to uh, basically ta- pass the Texas uh, pro-life bill with the civil penalties. And uh, uh, it was resisted for a lot of reasons at a lot of levels, but that's history now. And then we have a Dobbs decision. Uh, our trigger law was triggered, so to speak. But uh, I think that it is natural, and I agree with the governor and the leadership that wants to do wants to help people and some people say well let's give everybody a we have this surplus we can afford to give everybody a tax rebate how's the best way to help people right now with five dollar four and five dollar gas prices correct or five dollar diesel fuel anyway and uh, uh, the uh, infl- just general inflation i mean the just the cost of beef is just crazy i guess we're going to be eating chicken for a while but Price chicken wings, Dave. I know they're expensive. It's crazy. You used to couldn't give them away, and now they're right. But the point is that uh, uh, people are hurting from inflation. When people literally say, "You know, do I fill my truck with gas to go to work, or do I uh, go to the grocery store?" Yeah, and it's we we want to give people some relief. Now, there's a limited amount of things that we can do. Uh, uh, This the one that has been looked at and i assume this is what's happened and i think it'll pass overwhelmingly is uh, we cut taxes in the regular session in 21 we we cut our top rate it'd be phased in over over a couple more years to 4.9 percent because it wasn't that long ago our top rate was seven percent that's right and uh, the solution and i concur with this is to because we have this this surplus, this bump in the revenue, and it's not permanent. And that's the real key to all this. Take that and get it back to the people. Now, how do you do that? Well, if you accelerate the effective date of the tax cut, in this case we're talking take it back to January 1st, 2022, then immediately employers will change their withholding tables to reflect those tax cuts, and people will get more money in their check. Now, that's the plan and yes, that uses up a significant amount of the surplus, but the projections, when we came up with the phased-in tax cut, thought it would take longer for those revenues to rise. Then it actually did. Now, 
here's the problem of doing anything long term. Number one, inflation. Uh, if you're paying $5 for a gallon of diesel fuel for your pickup, uh, school districts paying $5 or will be soon because their contracts for lower prices will expire, uh, they're going to be paying $5 to roll that school bus down the road. So uh, inflation doesn't just affect individuals. It, ex- it affects government at all levels. Everything costs more for state government, county government, school districts, and, of course, even the federal government. So mm-hmm. uh, we have to budget carefully. Unlike the federal government, we don't have a printing press to print more money, which we saw where that got us in the last year, but uh, uh, we have to operate in, in a balanced budget environment, and we have to be responsible. Everything we do in budget matters in state government affects something else, and which brings me to the, the issue of the teacher's salary. Now, the governor floated this, but his, then he said he wasn't going to include it in the call, so all these you know, emails and calls I get from from people saying, "Hey, we need to raise teacher pay." You don't get any argument from Mark Johnson. We absolutely need to raise teacher pay, and it's no different than this issue you mentioned with the Little Rock Police Department. We need teachers. We need police officers. We need to keep these people in these professions, and the way you do it is you pay them. Now, there's some misconceptions and, frankly, a lot of outright lies out there about what teachers get paid and what the legislature does. They don't work for the legislature. They don't work for the state. They work for individual school districts. We fund those districts through a a complicated thing called the funding matrix. Mm-hmm. And it basically the and I, I don't serve on the education committee anymore, but I used to and and the the adequacy study that comes up with that funding matrix uh, was actually one of the reasons I got off the education committee. The complication of it for someone who was not a educrat had not been in that field so long. We have some great legislators that have dedicated themselves for their whole careers. Some of them former school board members, uh, but they they really you know bear down on on that issue and i and i trust them in that but we study this this is comes out of the lakeview decision we're mandated to make sure that we have a study to pr- show what is adequate okay why don't you wait all right i'll come back and we'll pick it up after the break you stay with us robert don't run anywhere mm-hmm. i'm going to bring mm-hmm. you into this uh, discussion as well but first we got to get to bill o'reilly he's waiting in the wings he wants the microphone for himself and we'll give it to him right now back with you don't forget about uh, saving your money on uh, health insurance you need to call pat davis about that i've been talking about pat now for years and how he can save you co-pays, he can save you deductibles, he can save you 30 to 50% on your health insurance, but you got to call him. So, uh, you know, punch in the number today and talk to him at 501-605-6935. That's 501-605-6935. Or visit him online, Your Health Plan Man. That's Your Health Plan Man, one word, dot com. Robert Steinbach is with us. He is a law professor at the Bowling School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and do not reflect that of the School of Law nor the university to which it is uh, hooked up to. Uh, and then uh, 
State Senator Mark Johnson is with us, and we were just starting to talk about special session. Is that uh, is that set up for like August tenth? Is that when you believe it's the eighth? The eighth, so okay. Monday. Yeah, that you all are going to get together and start talking about this. Now, one thing everybody got to understand when you talk about teacher pay, you guys don't want to give a one-time uh, amount of money to the teachers, and then suddenly the school districts are going to be saddled with higher salaries. So you well, want to you, do it a different way. You don't use short-term money for long-term things. Okay. And that's what this is really about. And, and uh, let's face it, Dave, a lot of this surplus is because of the federal spending and things that came COVID. through from COVID. And that doesn't mean our economy hasn't grown. It has. Uh, and if you use that measure, then maybe the uh, – uh, stimulus stuff that was done was successful but it comes at a price inflation is one of the things that uh, uh, happens gotcha and of course that increases the cost of everything so uh, i remember the carter years you do too yeah too well and uh, we we had things uh, inflation people got raises but if you got a seven percent raise and inflation was 11 percent you're still losing and and that's part of the dilemma we find ourselves in. And once again, being a balanced budget state, we just don't put the difference on the credit card like the federal government can. Mm-hmm. So the the biggest part of our budget is, is of course, uh, K-12 education. And when we – the logical way to do the budget process in January is – education committees come together and have this adequacy study they come up with what's called the matrix and it's a funding matrix now maybe we need to look at making it a spending matrix so when we give money to these uh, school districts that the superintendent spends it for what we allocated that this was why you got this money as opposed to well yeah give us the money but you know it's local control let us go spend it as we want to now uh, in some districts they do it right and they you know, pay the teachers, and 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 the, it's a it's done the way that it was formulated. In others, not so. That's part of the problem. And uh, in Lakeview, the Supreme Court said it's the responsibility of the state government to make sure that every student has a, a, an adequate and equitable education. Uh, that's part of this now. So we can't just throw money around willy-nilly we have to have a plan the plan complicated as it is is the plan and to take one-time money and and use it for something that that money may not be there next year we you don't want to give a teacher a four thousand dollar raise and then take it away from them a year later so uh, we have to do this responsibly and let's not kid ourselves what's going on this is an election year uh a lot of people, including almost, I think all the Democrats in the legislature are supporting this, and it's because it's all they've got is to throw out. Well, let's see. All these mean Republicans don't want to give teachers a raise. Well, we do. I have voted for every teacher salary increase that has come before the legislature since I've been in the Senate, and I hope to continue to do that. And if we come up with a responsible plan that I think that would be done if we go through this, you know, this is we're almost into August in yeah. January. January, we're going to be dealing with this, and we'll deal with it. But to to come in just so, for example, and a lot of people are saying, well, it's because the governor wants to be able to say when he goes to Iowa and New Hampshire that he cut taxes and increased teacher salaries. I've said that on the air. 
Well, it's it 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 at least bears looking. Yes, and it I'm does. Not gonna, I haven't talked to him about it, but you know, you don't have to be, you know, the the great uh, philosopher. I'm not Karnak. That's not Karnak exactly. <laughs> I like I remember Karnak holding the paper up. That's to right. Head. Yeah, Johnny Carson. So, what do you think, Robert? What do you think they should be? You think this shooting at uh, moving forward on the tax cut is the right way to go? I'm fine with moving forward on the tax cut. Uh, I do think that uh, tax relief should be broader than only income tax relief. Uh, I've stated on many occasions, I believe that we need income tax relief. We need sales tax relief. We need property tax relief. We need to eliminate the Clinton-era a car ownership tax. I don't understand how a Republican legislature and a Republican governor have left in place a tax on our personal property put in place by a Democrat. Uh, that needs to go. And the used car sales tax needs to be phased out. And that'll happen now that um, John Payton uh, has been, will be in the Senate. I think that'll happen. Um, but I think we need broad-based tax relief. To be clear, I'm not saying we shouldn't be paying any taxes, but every tax, type of tax hits different people differently. And so I think we need to be reducing all of them so as to affect all of the constituents who are affected, which is everyone, by different forms of taxes. Well, I just know that in 2023, there's going to be a lot of different bills that are going to be filed uh, dealing with different taxes. I mean, I had uh, State Representative Robin Lundstrom on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, her eye is firmly set on property taxes. She wants, mm-hmm. she doesn't believe you should buy a home and then have to rent it from the government. And I'm, I'm of the same opinion. There's got to come a time that you don't owe money on your home. Well, you know, Dave and, and Rob, we, we a lot of people... First of all, property tax is an ancient tax. It uh, goes back to the Middle Ages. Uh, it actually was an income tax, if you think about it, because uh, you were taxing farmland. And right. You paid based, that was your, your business, and you, you had land to grow crops, and you sold them. That was your business. So the big, more land you had, the more tax you paid. So it was like an income tax. Uh, now, uh, for individuals, it's, it's taxing your home. And it's, it's not an income tax. And that's why we have granted a, a, a freeze to uh, people over 65 on their, uh, on their homestead uh, to keep their, their tax recording. But the point is that you, that's a fundamental part of the tax system, and it would take a fundamental overhaul to change that. Now, uh, I, I agree with Robin on, on the, the goal of that, but... Uh, uh, you know, we got to be careful how we do these things. Arkansas, comparatively speaking, has low property taxes. Mm-hmm. And while you say, well, gee, it's not right to, as you said, pay, ta- pay rent to the government for the rest of your life on your property. But, uh, you know, these, these taxes that they make you write a big check are – people get upset about those. It's, they don't – Think about the ones that, like sales tax and income tax, where it's taken out of your check and taken out at the grocery counter. You don't even see those. And but if you were to, if you had to pay them separately, oh, yeah. noticed it. I, it I've always said everything. people should keep their receipts for a month and then add up all the taxes off of when you go out eating and things and or, how much or you pay. Or on withholding, 
have to write a check to the IRS on April yep. 15th. That would get people I, – I, so help me. I talked to a guy one time. He was an engineer, and we were talking about tax cuts. And I said, uh, I said, well, you know, wouldn't you like a, a tax cut? You know, a lower tax. He goes, well, he says, he says, I, I don't pay any taxes. I always always get a refund. <laughs> this guy yeah. was an engineer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he does well at, at building buildings or viaducts or whatever he's building out there. Math is math. Dave. Yeah, but the but the whole understanding of the tax structure has uh, eluded him as far as that. I'm trying to think of the economist. Who's the economist, Robert, who did the the thing about the pencil? Uh, talking about, you know, a pencil is a perfect oh. e- example of how how the, the, the free market sy- system Probably works. Probably Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman. That's exactly who it was. He's the one who came up with the whole withholding of taxes out of your out of your uh, uh, paycheck, he thought people would take it, uh, uh, would understand and see that, and get ticked off about it. Most people, Dave, have a, not everyone. Most people have an escrow account on their mortgage. You pay principal interest, and you pay taxes, insurance. It goes into an escrow account, mm-hmm. and then once a year, or for, once for each, probably, the mortgage company sends your insurance company the premium for your home and sends the collector the, the treasurer of the county the taxes on your on your home that's right and that's they're doing it because they want to make sure those are p- taken care of that's and right paid. but if we had a system where we did that with uh, your your uh, federal income tax and your employer put it in an escrow account rather than sending it to the irs and then once a year you had to co-sign the check on that escrow account to send those withholded tax withheld taxes in then uh that's what Milton Friedman That's said. What would, I think people would look at things a whole lot differently. Yes, they would. All right, let's uh, get a final break in here, and then I want to come back and talk a little bit about 2023. Uh, 20, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry wants you to know, Eric does. He's been in business for over 40 years. He's your A to Z guy, all right? If you need a repair, he'll do it. If you need something made, he'll do it. If you uh, need, if you if you want to sell some jewelry, he'll buy it. He'll appraise it. He'll buy it. You can get the money, or you can use it and get a little extra money out of it by buying a product that he has on display. You need a wedding ring. He can take care of that. If you need engagement rings, he can take care of that and save you 20% over the other jewelers all over the central Arkansas area. Keep them in mind. Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, it's great jewelry at a great price. And uh, they're located at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, Suite E. Visit them Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6, or call them if you want to sit down and talk to uh, Eric, 501-246-3655. We are back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach is here, as well as State Senator uh uh, Johnson is with us. Mark Johnson is with us as well. Let's uh, talk a little bit about 2023. I know you don't want to get too deep into it, uh, Mark, because I've, I've talked to enough senators that they said, let Sarah be Sarah. Let her come out and, and talk about what's going to be done. But the things that I'm hearing, and Robert, uh, you've heard me talk about them already on the air. Uh, one, uh, the uh, personal income tax, that's something that will be attacked, I think, probably in January. And uh, the thing that I'm really hoping gets done 
is a universal school choice. It's on fire in this nation right now. You've got uh, Arizona. You have uh, Kentucky now is talking about it. Uh, Iowa's talking about it. Florida's already started doing it. There's just countless areas where this is happening at. And I always talk, when I talk to uh, Congressman Westerman about this, I said, you got to feel vindicated after 20, 2010, and you brought it up, and everybody poo-pooed it and called you every name in the book except nice guy. Uh, and now this is, uh, education savings accounts are the thing that everybody's talking about. And he says, well, you know, there was a lot more people than just me, and because he's such a he's such a, a humble guy. But the bottom line, he was the guy who put his name out there and and championed it. Now it's really getting championed by a lot of people. Do you think it has a chance in the legislature? Well, Dave, you opened those comments mentioning the presumptive next governor. Yes. And if she is the governor, then the key is going to be what she says. Yeah, what does she want to do? I've heard that she's all about school choice. Well, there's you get into that's a big picture item, but you get the details are extremely important in mm-hmm. this, and certainly what we have to balance is is adequately again go back to that word that in the Lakeview decision adequately funding public education and balancing that with giving more choice and more uh, uh, power, if you will, to parents in this this, this thing. So. Uh, which I support. I'm absolutely about school choice. And, and uh, in many, many districts in the state, you have one choice, so that's not going to change their situation. Uh, uh, in central Arkansas, certainly in Little Rock, we have many choices in, mm-hmm. in that, the way to do that. There's uh, the problem. I say problem. We wouldn't be at this point if we had, didn't have the problems we have in, in, in public schools. I have a thing it was a little text thread that i'm in and someone mentioned that uh, 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 the pine bluff district was a, was going to be giving uh, uh, teachers uh, a uh, let me let me find he's, it, he's I, I find it actually, on there well while you look for they're that. gonna give us a five thousand okay. dollar bonus and they're paid start at 38 nine but they get a five thousand dollar bonus if they show up for 95 percent of the school year, which basically means you get five thousand dollars if you actually show up for work. Yeah. Well, there's that's a indicator. That's a tip of the iceberg of a big problem. I would I would think so. What do you think, Robert? Do you think that universal school choice has a real chance? Do you think there's enough people that have an appetite for this? I do. Uh, I think this is now uh, finally a mainstream Republican idea where we are paying tax dollars for our kids to go to school and we should be able to decide where do they go to school and if the money is allocated for student expenses and the student goes somewhere else why shouldn't the money follow the student and i've always said i said this during my campaign effect that doesn't mean that the public schools don't retain some relatively small portion of whatever money comes to them for infrastructure because infrastructure costs whether you have 100 students or 1,000 students. So you need to maintain But the bulk of the cost of each individual student is for that student. In other words, you get rid of 30 students from the school, you get rid of a, of a teacher. That's a significant cost. 
so that money and the penumbral monies uh, go with the student wherever he goes. Okay. The other state, by the way, that I forgot, West Virginia. All right. So the, the, these are all states that are are instituting, not looking at doing it, but have instituted it. Oklahoma is looking at it as well uh, about uh, about education. It's going to be interesting. But you're right, uh, uh, Mark, that the devil is in the details as usual. And how do you go about? And how do we get from here to there? It? Yeah. How do you fashion it all out? Right. How do you make it happen? Exactly. And I agree with you 100 percent about that. But I, I, I just think, and, and I agree with what uh, uh, State Senator Alan Clark and others have said, that this is going to be, I believe, and but we'll have to wait till we get into this, this, this session, should be the most conservative legislature that has ever come together at the Capitol. And uh, and ready to make I th- I finally think make right. make the changes that everybody has been waiting for. And and it, but it's going to start at the top and the leadership that will come from the governor and what uh, she puts forth as yeah, her priorities. Now, now I, from what I've understood, and we've got about two minutes left here. Uh, she's been talking to the Republican caucus already, mm-hmm. and her people have. Are you are you happy about what you're hearing? I, I am, I'm not asking you to, to show me your cards. No, I, I, I'm, I'm very pleased with it, not just the fact that I'm, the, the actual policies, but uh, uh, she has a, a bigger picture attitude. A lot of people talk about these individual issues, but she, but the, the thing that I at least inferred from her comments and others around her is that they uh, are looking at some fundamental issues, and, and including uh, maybe taking a look at uh, – uh, the way we yes we all want to cut taxes but the best way to get rid of the income tax entirely is if we find some ways to cut spending cut spending yeah yeah and i don't mind saying that i think that yeah. uh we we need to spend a little bit more time bearing down on that and i'm not saying that everybody gets a cross the board cut but you know we're a balanced budget state if we want to do these things and and shrink our size of of government overall we got it there's going to have to be some cuts all right. Well, we're five months away from the new session. It'll happen very the general quickly. Session. It's coming. It's co- it, it's going to come whether you like it or not. It's coming. Just let you know. But before that, you have November and you have the election. So things will change after that happens as well. Indeed. Robert Steinbach, thanks so much for being a, a, a part of today's show. I want you to be in here because you bring a, a good voice of reason. Uh, to the show as he does and then of course uh, i asked uh, state senator mark johnson to join us as well it's good to have him on with us also i'll be back at 6 a.m in the morning we're going to have a gentleman on in the uh, nine o'clock hour you won't want to miss i'm not going to tell you his name but i'll tell you this much he is foiled about uh, frank scott and how much he's paying for his own personal uh, protection and it's around right now $700,000. We'll talk about that. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you're listening for it. And, of course, uh, Congressman Hill and Westerman tomorrow as well on the Dave Ellswick Show.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.